You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, with your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Uh, welcome back to Her Tell. She's one of our favorites. We take a break from the politics of the day, talk a little history, usually some kind of presidential history. We just did about four or five of the first lady ones. If you missed any of those, make sure you go back and watch them. She also wrote about it, electionsdaily.com, our good friends over there. We got another one. We're doing presidents and presidential health. Sarah Stook, great to see you again, my friend. How are you? Great to be back. I uh, love having you. Okay, so everybody talks about President Biden's health. Talked about it a little bit with Trump a couple different times. Talking about presidential health is not a new thing. And not only is it not a new thing, it's actually a pertinent thing because we've had quite a few presidents actually die in office, haven't we? Eight, which is, you know, pretty alarming for of, well, natural causes, one might say, and then for who sort of at the end of the assassin's bullet and more who probably nearly died. You know, Reagan was shot. Jackson was tried. Those presidents get poorly, but unfortunately there has been eight who have died well enough this it's funny in the american system because you of course you're in the uk um it's very you're just used to your leaders resigning or getting out of office some other way we we've had only one resignation although we've had a couple that gotten close we've only had one resign but we've had eight die in office that's kind of unusual in the grand scheme of things isn't it well in you know obviously we're not an absolute monarchy anymore but in monarchies do you expect them to die because that's kind of the point and then they will go on to their son, daughter, whoever. But you kind of expect that in leaders. They, you know, a lot of these, uh, they're older blokes. They're, you know, some of their health isn't too great. Living in times where modern medicine wasn't around, anyone could die of anything. Let's go through these because these are just fascinating. And I love doing these kind of histories. The first one to die in history was William Henry Harrison. Now, he was 68. So in 1841, that's actually pretty old. Uh, modern technology, people tend to live a little longer now. 68 was a pretty good run back then. Uh, he died, we're not exactly sure, pneumonia, typhoid, something, but give a little background, though, who William Henry Harrison was, kind of one of the more probably unknown presidents to the modern here. Well, to quote Simpsons, when did the President's Day, he lived for 30 days, if we're going to be technical, it was 31. Um, he was a war hero who had um, made himself to be a hard drinking cider man log 
cabin bloke, even though he was from quite good stock, who famously did a very, very long inaugural dress in March in snow and rain in Washington, which is a big no-no. But there is the myth that I think most people believe that he died because of that. Not technically true. He did get pneumonia later as he used to like walking around Washington meeting people without a coat. And yeah, it's a swamp. It's 1841 and it's a swamp. So he developed what is either believed to be pneumonia or typhoid. And after a month in office, he died. And everyone was like, oh, bum, we didn't know what to do. Because it was the first time it happened. There was no real precedent. So everyone was like, is John Tyler president? Is the acting president? What is going on? Yeah, and it's interesting. You made a mention on this is the swamp killed him. And that's not like what President Trump always talked about, the swamp or the... the D.C. is literally built on a swamp. It's a tidal basin. It's it's a swamp. And this kind of weather, and you mentioned it, this almost killed George Washington back in 1799. Yeah, I mean, you can, pres- obviously presidents get poorly, but, you know, back when Washington was around and Adams and all those. Well, yeah, because, you know, you, you got yellow fever, you got malaria, you got all sorts of things or outbreaks and epidemics. Especially in, you know, obviously Washington didn't reside in Washington, but later presidents, you're always going to run that risk. Also interesting, and I found this kind of morbidly funny. You mentioned that there might have been a real simple thing that also made his health bad that in 1844, the White House's water supply was diluted. This is not uncommon in that era. Uh, sewage and bacteria, they didn't have clean drinking water. Pretty amazing that something as simple as clean drinking water probably attributed to the ill health of a president. But that's well, that was the case for thousands and if not millions of people of that era also. Happens. It kills millions every year. There's always adverts in the UK about, you know, water aid, getting clean and safe water. You had you, there were typhoid epidemics. Unfortunately clean water is so important, but you know, sadly it is still a problem. But we associate it in the Western world with Harrison and that generation. All right. In your piece, electionsdaily.com, we uh, link to it. You always go, could they have survived today? Pneumonia is very serious. In fact, pneumonia is a very big killer because usually somebody that's sick of something else, they die of pneumonia because they get it in the hospital. You know, a lot of cancer patients die of pneumonia. Ronald Reagan, Freddie Mercury. Yeah, pneumonia is what kills you when you're sick with something else. But it is treatable now. Again, we mentioned 68 is pretty old back then. Modern day era, does he survive, you think? He didn't really seem to have anything else too badly wrong with him. He survived war, so, you know, pretty tough customer. Antibiotics, bed rest, typhoid, you could have a vaccine. He would survive pretty, might feel a bit rough, but he'd be all right. Yeah. So he was the first, and everybody kind of panicked, didn't know what to do. But Zachary Taylor did the same thing nine years later. Um Taylor's such an interesting character in history. He doesn't, he's another one of those that's kind of got those inter period before the Civil War presence just don't get the press that the other ones seem to do. But he was a very interesting character in history. Talk for just a second about who Zachary Taylor was leading up to his presidency before we get to what actually killed him. He was another war hero and very well regarded. He was replaced by a guy called Millard Fillmore. So, you know, that's. This fascinating war hero and and succeeded by a guy with a very strange name that somehow everybody forgets. 
he um, was at a 4th of July celebration. He had um, some cherry with raw milk with raw rice. And yeah, he died of gastroenteritis, something along those lines, because that water, that milk, that ice was not very clean. Now, this actually sparked a big conspiracy theory at the time because it seemed so out of the blue because he was seen. He was 65. But again, war hero was seen as pretty healthy and virulent at the time. There was a conspiracy that maybe there was an assassination here, that it was arsenic, that it was some kind of poisoning because it did seem so out of the blue. And because he did seem to suffer of a stomach thing for, I think, what, five or six days he lingered before he finally died of it. And plus, you know, it, there was rumours that, you know, the Confederates, well, the later Confederates, the South versus the North, they weren't happy with him. And they did, you know, dig up his body years later and said there was a bit more than normal, but no indication that it would have killed him. So was it a conspiracy or did he just eat too much fruit and milk? Fruit and milk, sadly, I think, you know, <laughs> with uh, very unclean water, sort of went of the way of Henry Harrison. So something like uh, gastroenteritis, perhaps cholera, which was very common at the time. Taylor, he gets it today. Does he survive, you think? I mean, gastroenteritis is not very fun, but, you know, with proper rest, proper treatment, you can be better. Uh, cholera still exists. However, there are medications for it. And, well, he wouldn't have maybe even got it today because his water would have been clean. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. All right, here's one everybody probably thinks they know, but there's probably some ins and outs of it that folks probably aren't aware of. Uh, Abraham Lincoln's survival is not part of this, although he lived for, what, 12 hours after he got shot through the head, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, Lincoln, of course, was assassinated. We know John Wilkes Booth. We know it was a close-range gunshot to the back of the head. But what's some of the other parts of this assassination that people don't really think of when they hear about Lincoln's assassination? He was 57 years old. Um, in his youth, he was extremely athletic. He was known to be a very good wrestler, very wiry kind of guy. So his his health, was his health good while he was in office? He wrote himself about the extreme strain of the Civil War. We see the before and after pictures of just four years in office. Before the assassination, how was Lincoln's health, you think? Um, his health wasn't, you know, amazing. It wasn't, you know, as bad as some presidents like Kennedy, but, you know, he suffered many ailments of the day. It's believed that he suffered from depression. His wife was also very mentally unwell, so that was an added stress. He lost his children. There's believed to have he's had some kind of conditions. However, these are ones that you can't really diagnose all these years later. Um, yeah, he was shot point blank, which in the film, if someone gets shot in the head, they usually just die. But it's not usually like that in real life. It's not just a 
it's loud, it's messy, it's not just a little bullet hole. Back of the head, what it did to him. He lived for about nine hours. Um, when they took him to, oh, across to the boarding house, the doctor said, yeah, there's nothing we can do. It was a case of keeping him comfortable. Even today, it's very unlikely. There are some people, some surgeons who have been interviewed who said he could have lived, but he would have had extremely severe deficits, you know, motor function, speaking, thinking. And, you know, back then, the treatment of disabled people wasn't fantastic and he could have died from anything else. But I don't believe he would have survived. Point blank to the back of the head. You're not, yeah, I... you're not surviving that. And for the forensic nuts that watch all those shows on TV, the Derringer that he's using in the one of the reasons the Civil War was so brutal. These aren't bullets like we have today. These guys are just shooting chunks of metal at each other that are soft lead, and they they basically deform as soon as they hit anything. This isn't like a quick clean bullet wound like you see today. This is just a big chunk of metal at a low muzzle velocity going right at the back of somebody's head. So that's also it, it's why he lived as long as he did, but it's also why it's so destructive. For the medicine at the time these kind of wounds were just brutal oh completely he you know even today like i said i mean there are some people who get shot in the head and survive it's you know they're very lucky but like i said it's not like in the films and as you said it'd be very destructive and you know it would have killed probably even a healthier man if it could be a young 20 something man sadly it's one of those things that doesn't really discriminate by age or health yeah, and historically, just put a little perspective on it because we've had two presidents die in office before this. We've had you got to think of the time period. The Civil War was extremely traumatic to the nation. This was really something that just struck everybody to the absolute core when Lincoln got shot, wasn't it? I mean, it's the first time the president was assassinated in office, so you know it's not just a death; it's an assassination. As you said, it ended an extremely traumatic and bloody war. He'd led the nation through it. So you couldn't really imagine anybody else, sort of like Roosevelt with World War II, taking over. And then if you said to somebody, famous assassinations, even the UK people might say Lincoln. Really? Why is that? Just because it's such a strong... Because you, you've had you've had some stuff in UK history as well. It's, it's interesting they would say Lincoln. Well, we've only had one prime minister assassinated, and that was Spencer Percival back in the early 19th century. But when you think of assassinations, you might think attempted assassinations, you might think of you know, Margaret Thatcher, maybe in the UK, maybe Lord Mountbatten, IRA, sort of that kind of one. But if you said to me assassinations, my mind would immediately go to maybe like Martin Luther King. Right. And you've talked before that Kennedy was kind of a worldwide thing for a lot of folks as well. Fascinating stuff. One more of this earlier era, and then we're going to get into the more of a modern era of presidents. But um, James A. Garfield, I find this case so fascinating because I've actually read quite a bit of the medical stuff. I've watched some shows on this. This is one of those, if they'd left him alone, he probably might have lived. But we'll get into that and just say, start with James A. Garfield, who he was, a little bit about his presidency and what led up to this uh, assassination. He was quite young. I think he was only about 49, 50 when he died. Um, so one of our younger presidents, he was a Republican who had served under Rutherford B. Hayes and uh, also McKinley is a few of the Civil War presidents. He was coming out of a station, a train station, along with um, Lincoln's son, who had an unfortunate timing of being around or near three of the four presidential assassinations that he was alive for. 
So he was shot by uh, Charles Gateau, who was a uh, mentally ill man who believed he was, you know, somehow related to Richard III of England. As Garfield, um, he'd pledged to end the act of patronage where people would basically support you and then you'd get a job. He was against that. And um, he and he tried to get hold of Garfield because the fact that you could basically walk into the White House, it's a little bit concerning. And you know, Garfield said no. And so unfortunately he was shot and he lingered for quite a while, quite a few months. Um, like you said, the bullet wound, I mean, obviously no bullet wound is particularly a good thing, but if it had been left alone or actually surgically done surgically properly, he would have been fine. He was young, fairly healthy. There's no reason to think he wouldn't survive, even in that day and age. But they hadn't actually worked out about bacteria yet and that you're supposed to wash your hands so you know they thought we're doctors it was it was considered extremely offensive to uh, say that doctors were um unclean the person who discovered germ theory was actually locked in an asylum for daring to suggest that the hands of doctors were unclean so they were prodding around poking everything while he was in probably absolute agony and at first it thought it would survive and then it sort of went a bit downhill from there and there was a comedy of errors here um alexander graham bell showed up with a prototype of a metal detector but he was laying on a metal spring breads bed so that didn't work uh most of the doctor documentation is they were actually on the wrong side of the body looking for the bullet because they didn't understand they didn't understand ballistics at the time so they didn't understand it had stopped on the other side and they were looking in the wrong place they prodded him with bare hands as you tell him. he lived for three this went for three months okay and he had yeah, he went for three months. They moved him back to New Jersey, trying to heal him that way. This was a god-awful mess medically, but politically this was a mess too because Chester Arthur was the vice president. The assassin had stated he wanted Arthur to be president, so obviously he was trying to do a low-profile thing. He didn't really want to take over the reins. This was a mess on a lot of levels, wasn't it? I mean, people accuse Arthur of being behind the assassination and is not the uh, last president to be accused of being behind it, as we will see with Johnson a little later on. So, you know, not, I, don't, I think people, vice presidents want to be president, but unfortunately it only usually happens when the president's heartbeat stops. Yeah, I've always find it fascinating. If it, The picture is infamous, but I would have loved for there to have been some decent high-quality video of Johnson swearing in on the plane. Because you can just see it on his face. Like, he does not want to be there. Like, you can just <laughs> see it. And Jackie's there. And it's it had to be just, you know, hellish to go through that. And they took a still picture. And that's probably why there is no video and film of it. Because they probably was like, not filming this. But I think it would have been fascinating to see. Okay. Uh, that's kind of the older area. We're going to get into the modern era. Um, more presidential death assassination and otherwise unfortunately in modern era that's pretty much the only way it happens we're going to talk a little bit more about presidential health our historian friend sarah stuck from over in the uk electionsdaily.com and the mallard we love having her more with her right after this on her till Welcome back to Erdell. We're talking to our friend Sarah Stuck over in the UK, our historian friend. We're talking about presidents, presidential health, more specifically those who health failed either by illness or an assassin's bullet. 
This is the latter. Uh, William McKinley, 1901. He's 58 years old. He goes to this exhibition up in Buffalo. Uh, again, it's amazing. The story isn't more well-known than it is. He walks into the exhibition hall, and he is, to kind of simplify it, gets gut shot by this guy, this radical, crazy man. Doesn't kill him directly. In fact, one of, one of the most amazing scenes in presidential history He's laying there bleeding and gut shot. The mob starts to beat this dude to death and McKinley raises his voice and tells them to stop and they stop, which is just amazing. But talk about William McKinley, his assassination. And this is really a pivotal moment in American history, not just because the poor president got assassinated, but because of who his vice president was and who his vice president became. Well, he was um, just started his second term, his uh, original Vice President Pin being Garrett Hobart, who had sadly died of a heart attack. So uh, Theodore Roosevelt became Vice President because he'd become far too troublesome as Governor of New York, and the Republican Party wanted him in a dead-end position. It was uh, Mark Hanna who said, if that damn cowboy will be president if anything happens to Garfield, which, you know, uh, Garfield, sorry, McKinley, which sadly came through. So um, McKinley was at the Buffalo World Ex uh, Expedition, uh, <clears throat> Expedition, I can't say it, <laughs> Expedition, Exhibition, and um, he was shaking hands. Now, usually you would have to have both of your hands showing, but because it was a hot day, people had handkerchiefs of the Secret Service said, yeah, that's fine. They said to him, don't go and shake hands, but McKinley was a very social man who could shake, you know, 50 hands in like a minute. He was very good. And he was of the belief that nobody would want to harm the president. So before he got to his assassin, he shouldn't have a little girl and he gave her his lucky um, pin, which is a little ironic because the next person who shot off his hand shot him in the stomach. Yeah, it was a mess. But here's another one. Initially, they thought he would live. He seemed to be doing decently well. In fact, uh, Roosevelt had rushed back from he was in vacationing up at Saginaw. He rushed back and then he even went back on vacation. They thought the president was going to live. Unbeknownst to them, he actually had a cardiac issue that nobody knew about. He actually died of probably pancreatitis um, when they looked into this. Uh, here's another one where he kind of lingered for a while and it was kind of surprising when he died because they thought he might actually live from this. Yeah, I mean, actually, funnily enough, X-ray machine was being exhibited at the exhibition and they thought, no, it's not. It's too early to use it, which is kind of understandable. But hindsight is a wonderful thing. Yeah, you know, Roosevelt was told that he would be all right. He said, OK, cool, I'm going to go back on holiday, which is a you'd think they would say, you know, just stay just in case. But this was before, even before the vice president had, you know, a little more power than they did. So you think, yes, it was a little worrying he went off. Um, he seemed okay, um, McKinley, but it turns out gangrene, which is, ugh. And sadly, he died in a fair amount of pain. Yeah, and one of the real sad, his last words were actually about his wife. Uh, one of the sad scenes of this was his wife, I guess, completely lost it right towards the end. As, as the, near, the end was near and it was obvious, she had a total breakdown and that kind of finished him off, poor guy. Um, here's another one though, survival, modern medicine with the underlying cardiac issue. I don't know if he actually, it would be easy to say, yeah, surgery could have saved him. But with the other issues he had, surgery is a complicated thing. That's traumatic on the body. I know this one firsthand. Um, would he have been saved modernly? I think this one's kind of up in the air. Um, he was shot in the stomach, which as far as getting shot is concerned, is probably the worst place because, you know, it can bounce around and, oh, it's not very nice. 
Um, his cardiac issue probably could have been, you know, foreseen. It would have been diagnosed. Um, I think, you know, Garfield was pretty much a certainty he could have lived today. McKinley, so-so. I think with the, with good treatment, with good outcome, sure. But, you know, people can die of getting their appendix out and getting the tonsils out. Like, surgery always carries that risk, no matter how good the surgeon and how, you know, clean and sterile the environment is. All right. Here's somebody we talked about when we did the first ladies to some extent, because um, his other proclivities outside of politics, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Warren G. Harding, interesting character, uh, died of apparently of a heart attack. He sat straight up in bed and started convulsing and basically keeled over dead. Uh, talk about Warren Harding and him dying in office. Again, here's a guy who was probably in poor health in general. He was 57. Uh, again, like we talked about on the First Ladies episode, kind of an interesting character anyway. Talk about him for a minute. Um, Harding was in his first term. He was extremely, extremely popular because Teapot Dome and a lot of the other scandals had not come out yet. That would severely ruin his reputation. He was very gregarious. He was very open, especially compared to Wilson, who was a bit of a cold fish. Um, there was a trip with the presidential posse um, down the West Coast of America, starting at Alaska. Harding didn't initially want to go, but Florence said, I'm seeing Alaska and that's that. So it went to Alaska, you know, he got a bit of um, food poisoning, but was okay. Then moved on to Oregon, which is when he started to feel poorly. So they cancelled that trip and went to San Francisco. Um, he was still fairly poorly. They diagnosed some kind of heart condition, perhaps a stomach condition. He said he was okay walking to the hotel, but he sadly collapsed and had to be helped back up. They uh, prescribed him with medicine that actually probably actually helped trigger his heart attack because they didn't know what heart attack was at the time his wife florence was reading some praise um praise in the news his last words were that's good read on and like you said suddenly clutched his heart convulsed went dead and by the time florence was back well he was dead basically by the time he hit the bed yeah what effect did this have in history? Because, again, Harding's kind of one of those forgotten presidents because of the people that came before and directly after him. He died in 1923. Um, just big picture wise, what was how did the country take this news? Well, you know, he was very popular at the time because, like I said, didn't know about the scandals. You know, the in industry was being in the economy was enjoying rapid success. Um you, sort of one of those things, what, you know, what would have happened, he probably would have won re-election but you know Calvin Coolidge took over a popular president especially among Republicans even to this day but it's quite a shock because he's this popular guy with a popular wife and suddenly you know he just has a heart attack all right a towering figure in American history uh the longest serving president Franklin D. Roosevelt we know his health was bad it was hidden from the public at the time of course we know he couldn't stand unassisted these sorts of things uh, died, at, died at age 63, 1945. Uh, the cause of death was listed as a cerebral hemorrhage. Hemorrhage. This had to just be brutal to a nation who had just kind of come to rely on FDR, whatever you thought of his politics and all that stuff. He'd been president for oh, half a generation at this point. He'd been um, president for 12 years. P many people couldn't remember a time before him. Yeah, really. And, you know, World War II is winding down. People are starting to see the end of the, the light at the end of the tunnel of World War II. They're starting to be hopeful that the war is going to come to an end. And then this hits the country just culturally and politically, though. This was really a bomb to America that was otherwise distracted by World War II, right? 
Well, I can't say I was alive for it, but, well, no, <laughs> but yeah. you're a historian, so <laughs> yeah, um, I can't use the before my time excuse that many years. Um, he was in very poor health, and um, you know, it's believed he had um, either polio or a similar disease, um, Guillain Barry disease, which is sort of similar, but historians aren't sure which one it was he was in poor health generally he had heart issues blood uh, pressure tension when he came back from yalta everybody was shocked even at yalta churchill and stalin were like whoa this dude is poorly and you can tell in the pictures like he's he's leaning over in the chairs he's not sitting up just the picture yeah you can tell in the pictures of the yalta conference i think was it stall i think stalin had actually wrote in some of his personal writings about how bad FDR looked at Yalta, um, among other things. So it it was kind of probably more well-known outside of America than inside of America, just how poorly he was, wasn't it? Because back then you could hide. The Secret Service would take the cameras and photographers who'd seen him in his wheelchair. They would you know, have it destroyed or bribe them otherwise. So, you know, it's not like today where every move is, you know, taken. We all know about Joe Biden having COVID, for example. So it kept quiet, but he was a, he's, he was always quite a poorly a poorly man. He was never healthy, you know. Paralysis aside, he had so many issues. It's sort of a bit of a wonder how he wasn't killed earlier. It's maybe sheer willpower got him through because you know he just started a fourth term, which we're never going to see again because of constitutional amendment. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. to FDR though um, we know what the Civil War did to Lincoln uh, Wilson wrote about the strain of World War one even though that was only really about a two-year 18-month period and he was incapacitated for part of that but that's another story for another day we know what um, JFK and Johnson and Nixon wrote about Vietnam we know what W has talked about the war on terror Obama has talked about it wartime presidents and that war and specifically where it was all-encompassing because you had the entire country, on a war footing, you had, you know, the biggest conflict the world has ever seen, hopefully ever will see. It yeah. had to have taken a toll. It just had, th- there's no way that doesn't grind a man up. I don't care what kind of man it is, right? He'd been president. I um, mean, the war had been going on for just about four years in America. I see a bit longer because you guys were pretty late to the game. Easy you know, now. We got there eventually. Yeah, it took you a while there, didn't it? Um, you know, you're seeing, you know, your lands attacked, millions of young boys and men being shipped off to, to, you know, he did put the Japanese-American internment camps, whether he actually felt sorry for that or not is a different matter. It's not easy being a president, even in peacetime, I'd argue. Wartime is just in the kettle of fish entirely, which is why I firmly believe if a president, prime minister or leader puts themselves, you know, in glory in wartime, that is why they're remembered. And I think foreign policy can make or break a president. And, you know, his obviously foreign policy is still extremely uh, domestic. It's 
really well guys today and he is constantly seen as one of one off if not the best president but yeah it was long and tiring still managed to type, find time for affairs though yeah a great movie um about the hudson bill murray plays fdr you ought to go watch that movie at some point okay here's the one that looms large anytime you do a list of presidents dying in office i guess generationally this might be easing off just a little bit because time passes but the assassination of jfk we've talked about it before uh with you as we've talked about presidents over the years where does this sit in the consciousness today because again that that generation where oh everybody knew where they were when jfk died you know they're getting older now it's more of a historical thing now than a lived experience. Does it still loom as large as it did? And where is it in the, in kind of the collective consciousness, the assassination of JFK? And I don't think my generation has had it. You remember where you were moment. Yeah. The 1963 assassination was something my Nana can remember and said, everyone was very shocked and upset because he was young and handsome and popular. You know, for my mum, it was Princess Diana dying and 9-11. I was alive for 9-11, but I was pretty young. So I have absolutely no memory of it. But yeah, that was the, remember where you were moment and you know it was so sudden it wasn't like he was known to be poorly i mean he was i mean he was probably one of the sickest presidents we've ever seen but this was hidden of course because you could back then and joe kennedy spent a lot of money trying to hide it so he's going along and you know people don't realize how unsafe dallas was for him this was you know just the civil rights movement was really gaining speed when you know race relations were so poor dallas was dangerous they were he was told and no one saw it in times you should probably not go there were threats the secret service was processing hundreds if not thousands of threats handbills calling kennedy a traitor but he had to because he needed texas 64 so off he went with jackie and you know usually jackie didn't go but they'd lost their son patrick very shortly before and she said, okay, I'll come. And she was you know, extremely popular. So she was sort of a great campaign asset. He went with you know, Governor Colin, uh, Colin, uh, Nellie Connolly, the Johnsons, driving along. And suddenly, boom, three shots, two hit him. One sort of in the neck area and one in the head. He's straightened up by his brace, his back brace. So that hits him. Blood, skull, bone fragments all over the car. Clint Hill jumps on the top, they rush to Parkland. You know, he was certainly wouldn't survive. This isn't a case of Garfield and McKinley when it was definitely either either. I mean, even Roosevelt, you know, cerebral hemorrhages are really, really bad at the best of times. And, you know, he couldn't, a man of his health and age, even today, probably wouldn't survive. But with Kennedy, you know, people could say he survived. But, you know, the man had half his skull out. When they got to Parkland, they looked at him and said, no. I mean, they tried. They had to do something for a cotomy heart massage. But, you know, he was missing half his brain, half his skull. He wasn't. He never regained consciousness. He was kind of there, but not there. Last rights. That is last rights like five, six times in his life. So his was a very horrific death. Not, I mean, hopefully for him it was instantaneous but you know for jackie and the connellys because we forget governor connelly was shot as well luckily he survived and the thing about kennedy that they didn't know then because the press is different we do know now kennedy may not have lived out his term anyway because his health was his health was so bad they had him on all kinds of drugs to keep him going the the reason that 
when you look at the video of the assassination, he falls so funny, like you mentioned, he had to wear a very heavy back brace to kind of keep him upright because his back was so shot. He was taking massive amounts of drugs, both for his condition and also for pain management. Kennedy was in horrible shape health-wise. Um, we believe he had Addison's disease, which is an autoimmune disease. He may not have lived his term out anyway, which is one of those great what-ifs with Kennedy. Everybody talks about, well, what if he didn't get shot? It's like, well, if he didn't get shot, his health was so bad, it's hard to tell what would have happened with the poor I guy. mean, even if the bullet had hit a sort of a less dangerous place, he probably wouldn't have made surgery. Out of, he wouldn't have got out of the theatre alive. There's a good, very good chance of that. Like you said, it is a miracle. Like if you read his health history, it's just it's unbelievable how that man lived his age. I mean, today it might have been a bit better with modern medicine, but he still had a lot of diseases. I mean, Addison's disease is a lot better now, but still, autoimmune disorder is never particularly a good thing. No, it's not. Okay. Uh, to bring all this into the we have a president who's pushing 80, will be over 80 when he runs for re-election. If he chooses to do so, his primary opponent, President Trump, ain't exactly young either. We have... <laughs> the top four or five people in the line of presidential secession are either close to or over 80 uh speaker pelosi and um, grassley we are going to have more and more geriatric politicians we have a bunch of them now what is fair and what is not fair to talk about age and health when it comes to a president or a senator or even a congressman do you think I think, you know, when it's retrospective, you know, a lot of people uh, make comments about Barry Goldwater being psychologically insane. Creating the Goldwater rule is when you have not personally diagnosed the patient or the patient is from a long time ago. You cannot make comments about their, you know, their mental stability. But, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, to be fair, you know, back then you could, I mean, 100 years ago, you could say anything about any president's health because even if they're young, they could have still died of a lot of things. Now the general rule is unless you are, you know, already got a long-term condition, you know, you're likely to live out your presidential term. Joe Biden will turn 80. You know, it was a miracle Reagan wasn't killed. He was 70. And the, the only reason he survived was because he was in such good health. And then he lived to a very good age. So, you know, it's fair to wonder... I mean, Trump was very poorly with COVID. He was in hospital. I mean, it's a good job he didn't die. This is not something that's going away. We're going to have to keep talking about it. Hopefully not in hindsight. And thankfully, you know, JFK's assassination, you know, that was, you know, the 60s. Thankfully, we haven't had a president die in office since and or been assassinated, although we've had the close calls. So long may that trend last. But Sarah Stuck, we love talking history with you. Always appreciate having you on. Let folks know what you've got coming up, what you're working on now, and where they can follow you until we have you back on again, because you're one of our regulars and we enjoy having you. I've said it for the past probably three episodes I've been on that. I will do a, a one about vice presidents. I promise I will do it, but it takes a lot longer when you don't know as much about vice presidents than to do first ladies. And I do have other things I have to write for the publications. So I promise, promise, promise I will. the first one will be done at some point. It's going to be pretty long. I'm doing it in multiples of seven because it matches up with the number i promise 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 but um for the mallard i'm just doing one about fascinating european royals who aren't as well known so there won't be any catherine the greats or you know henry the eighth i'm going to be doing people you might not have heard of who have done some amazing things uh flexing daily uh this piece actually got quite a lot of um interest which was fun so Maybe I'll leave the vice president for now and just keep doing a bit of trivia until I can finally do that first woman article on them. 
Yeah, the only European royal that I know of that I wrote of was Ludwig of Bavaria, of course, who built New Schwanstein and who magically drowned without having any water in his lungs and his doctor drowned with him by osmosis, also not having any water in his lungs. So that's the only royal I remember because I wrote about New Schwanstein. Sheriff Stooks, thank you so much for the time today. Love having you. We'll do it again Thanks. real soon. Thanks.